Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. It's been a while since we talked about those safe deposit boxes out in California. And here is an update. Uh, Robert sent me notes that Steve checks out from Fox News. And uh, Cassie Dillon wrote it. The FBI seized a woman's life savings. Here's what she had to do to get it back. Uh, her court case continues with the intentions to try to end the unconstitutional forfeiture notices regarding this case and other similar cases. So the FBI returned to Los Angeles woman's life savings after seizing it two years ago with no explanation. Now, that's money she was keeping to buy a house. She was saving up her money to buy a house. She was never charged with a crime, but the FBI seized her safe deposit box during that March 2021 raid through administrative forfeiture. See, you call it something that sounds very, very harmless. It's administrative forfeiture. Don't worry about it. Wait, isn't that theft? No, 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 no. That's what children call it. Adults call it administrative forfeiture. So that move enables federal agencies to seize property without using the courts. No judicial involvement. Think about how efficient this is. They're just, they're doing it without the courts. They're saving time. She went years without an explanation, but her $40,000 was returned in July after she filed a nationwide class action lawsuit with the Institute for Justice. She says, I'm relieved to finally have my savings back, but it's been a confusing and frustrating process from the moment it was taken. I had to prove my innocence to keep my money. No one should be treated that way, and I'm going to keep fighting so that others don't suffer the same way I did. You'll often hear people say something is Kafka-esque, meaning in the manner of Kafka. And one of the things that they're often referring to there is uh, a story by Kafka called The Trial. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I'm not saying necessarily go read the whole book, although it's fascinating. It's also made into a pretty good movie. But in The Trial, uh, a man is accused of doing something wrong by a dark authority. And it's vague in a lot of ways, but it also illustrates how some people feel when they're involved in a situation where they can't get a straight answer, but they're also clearly on the wrong end of the event. So here, this woman's saving her money to buy a house. She saves up $40,000. It's in cash, but it's in a safe deposit box. And there's a raid on the business that owns the boxes. And along with seizing the boxes, they seize the contents. And then they keep the contents. And all they tell her is, oh, yeah, we've kept your money through an administrative forfeiture. What is that? Don't worry about it. It saves judicial uh, effort. So she plans to continue pushing her position in federal court to end the FBI's practice of sending unconstitutional forfeiture notices. And the IJ is hoping this case will help others similarly situated, as we say, cross the nation. In the statement, IJ accused the FBI of trying to hurriedly return the money to avoid accountability. And that's an interesting thing. If you catch somebody doing something wrong and you sue them for it and they quickly give you back what they took, then they go, oh, look, you can't sue us anymore. We gave you back your stuff. And so they'll occasionally do that in a class action with the class rep. So you often see a class action, if you look at the case caption, it'll say, you know, John Smith and all others similarly situated versus so-and-so. Well, so-and-so will go, how much does John Smith think he's owed? thousand dollars. We'll pay him a thousand dollars. Now we can say there's no there's no class rep anymore. And so the question is, was this woman made completely whole simply by them returning her money several years later? 
But also, I believe they've got more than one class rep here. And by the way, you can always substitute somebody else and is willing to do it. Her money was taken during a raid of a Beverly Hills-based safe deposit box company called U.S. Private Vaults. They were later shut down and pleaded guilty to conspiracy to launder drug money. But the drug money had nothing to do with those safe deposit boxes. In total, about $86 million in cash and property out of 1,400 customer safe deposit boxes was taken. The warrant, according to the Institute for Justice, told agents not to search or seize the box contents. They were just supposed to identify the owners and let them claim their property. But the FBI instead acted on its months-old plan to search and try to forfeit the contents of any box worth more than $5,000. So anybody who was foolish enough to put more than $5,000 in a safe deposit box, and by the way, not just cash, anything you put in there is suspect. You put gold bullion in there, oh, you're a criminal. Silver bullion, just so much uh, criminality, I would guess. An FBI spokesperson previously said the warrants were lawfully executed based on allegations of widespread criminal wrongdoing. I believe the FBI admitted later that when they got the warrants, they were told specifically that they were not supposed to seize the contents of the boxes, and, and they had planned all along to inventory them. And as they inventory them, say, oh, look, look what we found. So the woman here did not receive any information about why her money was seized. Is only told the matter was pending. Oh, oh, your matter is pending. Come back later. It's pending. FBI had no idea who she was, yet it tried to forfeit her life savings simply because her safe deposit box contained more than $5,000. That's an attorney from the uh, Institute for Justice speaking. By never forcing the Bureau to say what it thinks someone did wrong, the FBI's notices enabled a sort of corrupt policing for profit that caused her forfeiture nightmare to drag on for over two years. So two years later, she gets her money back. After submitting seized property to the Department of Justice's Asset Forfeiture Fund, federal agencies can receive the funds back to pay for costs associated with accomplishing the legal forfeiture of the property. And by the way, think about that. They're spinning their wheels. They're actually saying, we can seize your money. We give it to another department who can then reimburse us for the cost of seizing your money. Why'd you seize the money? To pay for our efforts in seizing the money. Okay, if you hadn't seized the money, you wouldn't have incurred those costs, though, right? Uh, well, did I tell you this is administrative? <laughs> Judicial economy. <laughs> the Institute for Justice calculated the FBI received $1.19 billion dollars out of the $8 billion the Justice Department agencies seized through forfeitures between 2017 and 2021. So assuming those years are inclusive, uh, they seized over $8 billion, and the FBI got $1.1 billion of it back to pay for the cost of all those seizures. The Institute said the FBI's forfeiture notices are a violation of the Fifth Amendment, which requires the government to provide specific factual and legal reasons for forfeiture. Due process. Due process. I've talked about this before. Due process, we hear that phrase bandied about quite a bit. You can find it in the Constitution amendments, number five, I believe. Could be wrong. I'm a busy man. (laughs) But due process, at its most basic, bare bones, is simply notice and an opportunity to be heard. Now, 
it'll be expanded a little more than that, but you have to have a notice of what the accusations against you are. Notice. And an opportunity to be heard is that you'll have a meaningful, a meaningful opportunity to participate and do what you can to defend your rights. So civil asset forfeiture violates due process in its most basic concept because when they send you a notice that says, well, we've administratively seized your money. Okay, that, that, is that really a notice of what's happening here? And worse, what's the opportunity to be heard when they go, oh, your matter is pending. It's pending. Can I have a hearing? No, it's pending. It's, we're trying to save judicial resources. Aren't you paying attention? We're thrilled that she can finally get her life back on track, says IG attorney Bob Belden. But we still have to fight for the many others whose lives have been derailed by the FBI's forfeiture machine. The FBI and the U.S. Attorney for the Central District of California did not immediately return a request for comment. And by the way, I'm going to just now head off one thing that happens under every video I do like this. I'm going to get some people to say, Steve, let me get this straight. There are 1,400 safe deposit boxes. Yes, there were. And amongst them, they found about $86 million in cash and property. Yes, they did. Some of that had to be illegal. I don't doubt that. But remember that you are innocent until proven guilty. So if you have a safe deposit box that the feds bust into and go, oh, look what we found there. Oh, look what we found there. You're still innocent because you haven't been proven guilty of anything. And they take your money, which by its very nature is punitive. They're taking your money. Keep in mind that when you go to court and you lose, there are primarily two things they can do to you. They can lock you up or fine you. Fining you is where they take your money. So if they break into your safe deposit box and take your money, and you've been convicted of no crime, by definition, it's the same as being fined. But what have you done wrong now? And getting back to people, well, Steve, some of those people probably were. They may have been. They may have all been, for all we know. None of them have been convicted of anything yet, as far as I know. This woman wasn't convicted. She wasn't charged. So don't give me this, well, some of them may have been. Okay, that's not the point. The point is, and it's the old put up or shut up. If you, as a federal authority, seize the stuff in the safe deposit box and you think it's attached to criminal activity, start prosecuting people. That's how we do it here. Prosecute somebody. Instead, taking the stuff and saying, you want it back, sue us. That is as un-American as anything I can think of. And I know more people think of America as, you know, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, that kind of thing. (laughs) I'm an attorney. And if I'm accused of something, I want to see what I'm accused of and be given the right to defend myself. That's due process. And so there is an utter lack of due process in these forfeitures. So the Institute for Justice here is doing wonderful work. I salute this woman for stepping up and saying, yes, I'd be happy to be the face of this. But they've got to keep pursuing it because, again, it was that many boxes. So it was 1,400 or something. 
And all of that money added up to quite a bit. And the scary part is that they just said, well, 1400 boxes, $86 million in cash. We're going to take all of it, at least all of it that came out of boxes with $5,000 or more in it. Because obviously, um, no one who is innocent would have $5,000 or more in a safe deposit box. And now, I don't know if they've ever done statistics on this, but I have a sneaky feeling that if you were to actually right now go find someplace that still has safe deposit boxes, and especially in a place like Beverly Hills, California, and go through them, you'll find that there's a lot of stuff in there that is worth more than $5,000. And now, it's true, some people might put things like their will in there or some important documents in there, but you'll find valuables in there. And, and so are these people all criminals? No, no. And so what really happened here is these people got swept up because it was a private safe deposit box company that was tied to a business that appeared to be breaking the law. So the Fed said, well, while we can get them, we can also get all of these people with their 1,400 safe deposit boxes. So I'm going to tell you right now, look up ij.org. Their link is in the description below this video. They do wonderful work and they're supported by people who simply watch what they do and go, wow, I like what they do. And one thing, and I've, I've said this before, when you hear a story like this and you're standing back watching it like a car accident and you, and you, and you go, wow, this is interesting to watch. It's maddening, but it's interesting to watch. For just a moment, imagine that was you. Put yourself in her shoes <laughs> and ask yourself how you would feel especially when you went to an attorney and said, hey, the, the federal government just stole $40,000 from me through some kind of administrative forfeiture. Ask yourself how you'd feel if the attorney said, okay, we can get it back, but it might cost ten dollars or $20,000. So if you win, you get $20,000 back net. If you lose, you're out the 40 plus the 20 you pay me. And you go, what? The Institute for Justice can step in on something like this and say, no, 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 no. We'll take care of this. We'll handle this. And our fees are paid by our supporters. And so it's kind of like uh, a crowdfunded Superman, but legal, you know, a legal Superman. So I love what they do. Here's a great story. The FBI seized her life savings. What, what she had to do to get it back. Cassie Dillon wrote there for Fox News. Robert Senate, thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle, they're on TV.